Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, true change, it starts within. And my guest today, Chelsea Pottinger, has gone through a complete life reboot that started when she dedicated some time to her internal well-being. You see, Chelsea was living the fast-paced corporate life until her baby girl was born. And then Chelsea was slammed hard with severe postnatal depression. And as you'll hear in our chat, sadly, Chelsea was just hanging on. But through her adversity, Chelsea discovered the importance of working on her inside, her post-traumatic growth phase, as Chelsea calls it. Chelsea went back to university to study a doctrine in psychology and neuroscience, a diploma in positive psychology and well-being, and became an internationally accredited mindfulness and meditation teacher. Through her experiences and studies, Chelsea is now helping individuals and organizations to focus on their internal fitness and feel the beautiful benefits of mindfulness. This is such an important episode, as what Chelsea and I discuss can have such a fundamental impact on the quality of the life that you live. And what I love is all the science and research that Chelsea has that support the benefits of mindfulness. Chelsea and I talk about reconnecting with life so you are really living and thriving, how burnout is not an indicator of success, creating boundaries in your life, and being connected as a parent. Chelsea also talks about consistency over intensity when it comes to meditation and how as little as three minutes per day can start anyone on a mindfulness path. Chelsea is also an ambassador for the Gidget Foundation, which is a non-for-profit organization supporting the emotional well-being of expectant and new parents to ensure that those in need receive timely, appropriate, and supportive care. It is an organization that I know is very dear to Chelsea's heart. And if you or someone you know are experiencing a challenging time emotionally since the birth of a child, then please reach out to the Gidget Foundation and their wonderful, supportive and talented team. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Chelsea Pottinger. Chelsea, how are you? Welcome to the Live Immediately podcast. Thanks, Mike. I am very good and absolutely thrilled to be here with you this morning. Uh, thank you kindly. And, and we were kind of just chatting offline a little bit that, you know, we're chatting on a, on a Friday morning and we're both really excited. And it's a, it's a great feeling when you can kind of get to the end of the working week and, and still be pumped. Absolutely. And as I was saying to you, Mike, I think that's when you truly know from intrinsically that you're doing things that are on purpose and that you're passionate about and that you really enjoy, A, your job, but also, more importantly, your life. Mm. And, I, and I guess, too, that that purpose and enjoyment of your job and your life is, is I guess, going to be the foundation of a lot of what we're going to be talking about today and, and mindfulness and and the power of the brain and tapping into our, our inner self and, and often the, the benefits that this 
can have and how it can unleash a, a sense of freedom. And, and as he kind of spoke about, like just loving life and what we do. But I guess to give some context around who you are, Chelsea, and the beautiful work that you, you do, I was wondering if you could tell me about the retreat that you recently hosted that I was very envious of when I was uh, seeing all of those beautiful photos. Yeah, sure. I, uh, so I have a business called EQ Consulting Co. That's my corporate side of the business. And I've got a consumer side of the business called EQ Minds. And my whole passion and purpose in life these days is to actually, Mike, nothing gives me more joy really than watching uh, disconnected people get really reconnected again with life where they're living and thriving and not just surviving mm -hmm. day to day. And this sort of all unfolded after myself going through some pretty intense adversity of suffering severe postnatal depression in 2015. But the upshot and that sort of bouncing forward of that post-traumatic trauma, which I now actually call my life reboot, it's enabled me to uh, to actually run a beautiful and thriving business um, to help people, yeah, with coping tools, not just how to decrease stress, but how to actually get more joy and happiness and and more gratefulness, really, with uh, with life. So the retreat, you have to come down. I'm booked out this year, but 2019, I'm about to launch some new dates, and I'd love to have you down there. And it's just a beautiful weekend down near where we live in Berry. And you come down and you just reset and recharge. And, uh, yeah, and you, you have yoga and meditation, and we teach you transcendental meditation, organic food. I'm all about non-suffering. So you start at 10 in the morning. Um, there's no scrambled tofu. As is <laughs> <laughs> I think true change has to really reflect, you know, pretty much your current lifestyle. Um, however, if we can just make these small, beautiful changes, um, that, that isn't so extreme where you go away in a non-speaking, you know, tofu mm. retreat. And then there's nothing wrong with eating tofu, by the way. Um, but I just think you have to gently, gently just make some small positive wins in your life. And like you talk about those those gentle, small, positive wins, like what are some of the like the people that kind of see you, whether it is through a retreat or through what you do with corporates, what are some of the common struggles or personal battles that people seem to be dealing with? I think the biggest thing, Mike, in the corporate world is that professionals are just burning out. You know, and it's this whole thing that burnout is is not an indicator of success. Mm. And people are really busy. They're very frenetic. They feel like they've got no time for self-care. And that's probably one of the biggest things that gets fed up the management line and up to the uh, senior executive level that, you know, their staff are actually, they're either leaving and they're losing really, really great talent or when they're at work, they're actually not even there and they're distracted with their, their thoughts. They're constantly distracted with emails text messages, it just seems like people can't seem to focus either these days and we're almost like multitasking ourselves into inefficiencies and into mistakes. So that's that's probably the main two, I guess. And, and I guess too though, like when, like in business, when you talk about that burnout and those inefficiencies, it's so true. But like sometimes when you look at it, like it feels that the problem is so big that it's just too hard to tackle. Yeah, so it's always, you know, as you know, Mike, like true change always starts from within and it's empowering individuals to actually 
I guess for them to have a deep understanding of how they can recalibrate their brains and not to, not just to decrease stress and anxiety and, and this burnout rate, but how we can actually improve their memory and their focus and their productivity just by recalibrating their brains and taking it to the gym almost like we do with our with our bodies. Mm. So, and, I th- oh, sorry, go, Mike. No, I was just going to say that it's really interesting how you kind of made that, that link between going to the gym with our bodies. And it's so true that that outward-facing element, we seem to be so strong it seems to be natural within our society to spend time on our body and being fit, but often that internal fitness is completely neglected. Oh, absolutely. We give so much preference to our bodies over our own mind. And I think people feel like they operate in two separate levels, but they're just so connected. And, you know, even from a gut health perspective, everything, there's something going on in your gut. There's always usually something going on in your mental health. And, with my research while doing a PhD in psychology and neuroscience, we, we see a, a, a very, very strong correlation there. And I think the big thing is, Mike, with um, the reason why we give so much preference to our bodies is because we see results. And unfortunately, we can't do fMRI scans and specs <laughs> every morning on our brain. But the science is so compelling and there's so much robust clinical evidence now that supports these incredible changes that happen inside your brain when we just do a little bit of training for it. And I think too, when you are at the gym and, or whether you're losing weight, other people can see that. So they mm-hmm. come up to you and go, oh, hey, Mike, you look great today. You know, what are you doing? Um, but no one ever really comes up to you and says, hey, I've noticed over the last six months that you've been really calm and peaceful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, or they might kind of see that if they're, they are looking at kind of like a year mm-hmm. or a six months chunk, but like, it's not, it, it's not something that really people kind of out of the blue will come up and say. (laughs) I think the people close to you will definitely say something uh, because they will notice significant changes. But you're right. And that's that's the struggle, I think, with meditation. It doesn't just happen overnight either. It does take... The clinical evidence shows us it takes about two months to notice some really significant changes within the brain. And, however, the more that you do do it, I think... Uh, it does have a direct impact on those really those people really close around you, whether that's the colleagues at work, your clients, your partner, your children. Your children start noticing that you're more in the moment, you're less reactive, you're less stressed, you're not so snappy, you're not flipping your lid as much. Um, and that's I think that's how I got my husband as well, who's a who's a mad skeptic on most things with <laughs> with anything that sounds or smells spiritual, uh, <laughs> and I have to. <laughs> So I have to really uh, show him the evidence, but also uh, lead by example as well. And I, I would never, ever force from an extrinsic point of view meditation or gratitude practices or deep breathing onto anyone. I intrinsically show them the science. And then just by my husband watching me trans- transform into a very calm person that's, you know, that I've got a really quite confidence and, and a pretty sharp memory these days, That that's when he was intrinsically motivated about a year down the track to actually start trying it and i also feel too and i don't know whether there's any science to back this up but just from my from my own um experience when i meditate for long periods of a time and when i say long periods i mean like over a number of like consistent days and and i was doing this for probably about say four to five months and i'd say i was meditating for five out of the seven days i found that that 
base that it gave me that when I then maybe became too busy to meditate mm-hmm. or life kind of got in the way mm-hmm. and I was only meditating once a week or once every two weeks, uh, sorry, twice a week, I found that though that that solid foundation was there. So even once you kind of start mm-hmm. meditating and you go away, once you kind of come back, I, fe- I felt like I wasn't starting from zero again. Yeah, absolutely. And I always just link it back into, you know, how it is at the gym. So this is the big thing. You know, if we, we, we're working out, you know, even when women start Pilates reformer or guys start a new gym routine, it does take a couple of months to actually start seeing the results for sure. And, uh, and then you've got a good established blueprint and baseline there. Now, Mike, if you didn't go to the gym for a couple of days, your baseline blueprint will be great. You know, your body's not going to atrophy in, and it's not going to revert back and you're going to have a pretty solid, still really fit body. And then, but however, if we start uh, skipping the gym for a couple of months and eating poorly, then that's when, you know, the body reverts back and your body shape starts to change. So it's the same inside the brain. It's, you know, it takes a few months to establish that baseline. And then if you skip one or two days, you're going to be okay. But if you skip a couple of months, you're going to start feeling stressed, anxiety, your memory is going to revert back, your prefrontal cortex, where all our executive mm. functioning is done from, will start shrinking again. So, which is a scary thing is that, and a lot of people don't realize that, that our brains actually they just get smaller as we get older. So if you, I'm, I'm such a believer that meditation is one of the smartest things that you can do, but only if you actually want to have a better memory, be more creative, more productive, and have less stress and lower your blood pressure by 20%. If you want those things, then I would encourage people to, uh, to at least try it. Um, and but, I always say- but I guess with that, with that trying, Chelsea, like with my wife, like she has seen me meditate and she's seen i guess the improvements with me um she suffers from anxiety and her psychologist was kind of talking about mindfulness and and things like this um she's definitely like we went through a a big purging process and that that kind of link between our physical space and mental space like Mm -hmm. we completely understand the clarity around that but for her and i know this is the same for a lot of people they Mm -hmm. just struggle with mm-hmm. meditation. I, I don't know whether it's just struggling to kind of get that ball rolling. And once that ball starts rolling, they're going to understand it a little bit more. But why, why do people seem to struggle with it? And do you have any, I guess, tips or help around sticking with it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that people struggle with is a time. No one seems to have time to actually schedule it in. And that's, uh, that's with everything in life. You know, we have to make the time to schedule something in. However, we only would do that if we see the intrinsic benefits or what's in it for me. So time's directly in, <laughs> directly linked into why. And again, when, when people start understanding the science of what actually happens inside their brain, that their amygdala will get smaller, which is where your stress and anxiety sits. So you do get less stressed and less anxious and you do get a better memory. And I, and I don't know any human being out there that doesn't want a sharper memory, mm. you know, especially as we're getting older. Um, and if, if you want those benefits to happen, then something else gets knocked off the, off the list. And the time thing, you know, I think about I, I read a lot of biographies of successful people and people like Oprah Winfrey and Elon Musk and Richard Branson and Hugh Jackman and 95% of the people that I read about that are disrupting the way that the world is done, they meditate every single day. And I think, wow, 
if Barack Obama has time to meditate, Chelsea Pottinger has some time because they know something that we don't know. know? (laughs) They know the neuroscience behind the brain and why it sharpens up their brain. So I'm thinking, okay. And then I think the big thing, Mike, to help people out when they're struggling, you know, to even get started the big thing to, to remember is that it's consistency over intensity. So whenever I'm coaching people in the corporate profession that have never meditated before, um, I usually get them to start with three minutes. Your brain is like a muscle and it's like the same with marathon running. I would never get you to start running 42 kilometers the next day. We'd start you at a kilometer and same with meditation. We start you three minutes and we'd start you with a guided meditation. You know, that's the easiest way to begin and I'd get you to, to use an app, whether that's Headspace, Calm, Smiling Mind. I have a free YouTube channel called Chelsea Pottinger if you're tight on money at the moment. Um, but it's really important that auditory style works for them as well so that it doesn't give them anxiety listening to somebody's voice. And start there with three minutes. And it takes, honestly, anywhere from 21 to 66 days to actually form a new habit. And we can thank our basal ganglia, which sits inside of our brain, which forms habits, which... The basal ganglia sounds like some kind of Thai dish, right? Like you know, your local drugs. <laughs> um, but uh, that's how long it takes. It's just that consistency of practice, three minutes a day for the first week, you know, and then maybe stepping it up to five minutes a day. And, and you don't have to start by sitting underneath a tree, you know, in a caftan with your mudras, you know, and your hands in a certain position to meditate. I want people to be able to do this in the, the back of an Uber, I want them to be able to do it when they fly. I want them to be able to do it when they go walking, where it schedules into their day that, that they can fit it in. And, and like talking about your day, like how, do, how and when do you meditate? Are you a morning person or do you have these sporadic three-minute moments throughout the day? Yeah, great question. So being a parent and for any parents out there, they would know they would know that your morning is usually not yours. I have Clara sort of sneaking into our bed around 5:30, 6 a.m. And uh, so the morning meditation usually gets completely um, scheduled off. Unless I'm unless I'm travelling for work, then absolutely I'll, I'll definitely meditate in the morning. But I usually schedule in around 10:30 to 10:30 a.m. for 10 minutes, no matter where I am, where I am. Unless I'm doing a workshop, I'll stop what I'm doing and just know that that's my time then to meditate. And same with three o'clock is a beautiful time just on the sort of evolutionary biology of our brains. We all have a slump around 3 p.m. to 3.26. So a good thing for any professionals listening out there, do not schedule in client meetings or big strategy pitches at around 3 o'clock. Um, everyone's system usually goes shuts down. The circadian system shuts down and everyone's a little bit flat. So it's a great time to take a break from work and actually get outside and do a bit of meditation. Um, but I usually also meditate when I fly, again, in the back of an Uber or a taxi. I'll just ask the person not to talk to me. When I'm getting a massage, I'll schedule it in there. Uh, that's a beautiful, actually, reboot for not only your body getting um, therapy but also your mind. And, yeah, and when I'm walking. So really, Mike, whenever I can grab a snippet during the day and you can guarantee that during my days, especially when I'm doing admin work or study or research, I break every 90 minutes and and there's a reason scientifically why I do that. Um, and so I break for 90 minutes and I'll usually have a 10 or 15-minute meditation or I, the next 90 minutes and then I'll come back into the saddle, do more research, more client work, more study, take another break for 90 minutes after 90 minutes and I might do, I don't know, Kayla Ed up for 21 minutes and get my workout in. Then back in the saddle for 90. If I'm at home, I might put a slow cooker on. 
back in the sun. And that's how my day operates and that gives me the best juice for my brain and makes me super productive. And I think too the beautiful thing about that, Chelsea, is that for me I've always tried to do it in the morning. And then if I don't do it in the morning, then I feel, okay, I've, I've missed out. But by yeah. actually creating those, those moments throughout the day, meditation or mindfulness, it doesn't become something that you do. It kind of becomes something that you are. Absolutely. And it's not a chore then. You know, you're like, oh, that's another thing I've got to schedule in for the day. It's actually when you start doing it on a regular routine, it gives your brain so much power and focus when you come back. And it's, it's just getting that whole mindset around, you know what, we actually, you're so much more effective at work and at home. If you're in 90 minute blocks and taking a break, then just pushing through and pushing through for five hours, your brain literally fatigues out, you get distracted. So why not just schedule in a little snippet of a three minute, five minute meditation or deep breathing activity and come back and you've got the best brain on board. And I think too, that is so important, even for like stay-at-home parents. Like it doesn't have to be this, okay, it's only 90 minutes of working. If you're at home, because mm-hmm. we all know like running a home and running after kids is, is so much more work than a, a job. Hands, <laughs> hands down, I've experienced both and I can say that with my hand on my heart. But yeah. how, how have you felt or how has mindfulness benefited you as a parent? Yeah, great question. And absolutely, I'm a parent too. So I, I hand on my heart would say that my full-time job and my PhD is 100% easier. <laughs> <laughs> so to all those mums out there that are stay-at-home mums or stay-at-home dads, my I, a huge hat tip to you and well done. I'm, it's inspiring. Uh, the um, So I, I find, Mike, the one thing for me that completely changes when you have a dedicated mindfulness practice is that you're just – you're more engaged and more in the moment. So when I get home tonight and I walk in that front door and I see Clara and I'll usually meditate before I, you know, when I'm on the two-hour train back to where we live in Jerengong and I'll walk in the front door and I'm truly with her. And and I want parents to imagine a life like that. You know, when you walk in the front door and you're not stressed and you're more connected and you're less reactive and you're truly there, you know, and that's my phone gets switched off. I, I never work around Clara. I'm, I'm totally immersed with her. And people will know that when you're with your toddlers, that if you're trying to do a work phone call, it's like this beacon for them that they will absolutely fire up and they'll try anything to get your attention. And, uh, and, and then it's also, it enables you to respond in a way as well to your children and, and watch out for their emotional cues. And also you're leading them by example. You know, these our young kids, are, they're sponges and through osmosis, they're constantly observing us. They're watching the way that we speak to our partners, how we speak to ourselves. Um, and if you're someone that has got, you know, you speak in a kind, calm way uh, and you're teaching your children this. Now, now Clara might be genetically predisposed to anxiety thanks to me, you know, and that's a genetic thing that I got passed down. And she's 40% genetically vulnerable, like we all are with our, with our family genes. So I'm teaching her life skills that she's too young at the moment to meditate. She's only three, but I teach her gratitude practice every morning and I teach her how to deep breathe. And it just becomes a part then of her life that she's building resilience and building up her insular muscle inside of her brain, which is actually what we measure for happiness. Mm. 
So yeah, and, and and you spoke to there. Uh, I guess when you came, when you come home, you set these boundaries. Like you turn your your phone off and you're 100 percent present. And I must say that when I first reached out to you, I received an, an automatic reply that, um, <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing here, that went something along the lines of, "Sorry, I'm with my daughter today. I'll respond." to this email when I can. It was something along those lines. And I, I remember getting that back and I was like, I so hope she says yes to a podcast interview because <laughs> this is, it's, it's so true. Like you need to create those boundaries because we all know that multitasking is a myth. And mm. especially I've tried it. I've, as you explained there, tried to do business calls whilst being around our daughter when she was younger and it just doesn't work. And you, then at the end of that call, you feel really bad because you didn't give the call the attention it needed and you obviously didn't give your ch children the, the attention you needed. But creating those boundaries, um, and I have them in my life and I know that they're great now, mm -hmm. but they weren't the easiest to set up because mm -hmm. we're kind of changing the way that we do things. W was there anything that you did that helped you kind of create those boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a, a very wise and uh, very beautifully supportive husband who's like my no guy. <laughs> so I usually let him know what's on my schedule and he'll he'll be the one that says no to things. He feels like I'm getting out of balance. However, I so Tuesday, so it just became a regular thing for me, Mike. When I started my business, the reason why I went into my business was to create this life for our family where I would have a lot of balance and to do that it m meant Tuesdays I'm totally off the grid and and you're right anyone that usually emails me on a Tuesday they'll get an automatic response that says oh, hi thanks for your email I'm currently off the grid with my daughter hiking I'll get back to you on Wednesday and it's the same for me on Sundays so it's, it's such a beautiful thing because you wake up and you just don't even turn your phone on which 95% of people check their phone first thing when they wake up and the other thing for me, Mike, was with business, social media is such a big thing and uh, and it's also being able to step away from that. So my phone goes off after 8 p.m. My Instagram posts are scheduled out usually a month in advance. I've got a lot of American following, so they go up around 9 o'clock. I now have hired a, a gorgeous uni student that's my assistant and she does my social media campaigns now. So it's stepping away from things that, that I know that has a linear response to things like anxiety and depression and being more with the things that I know are phenomenal for people's mental health, which is being in nature. It's being truly engaged with what you're doing. It's the gratitude practices. It's the exercise. It's eating whole foods. It's you know, doing flow activities like surfing or playing the piano. And it, it, that's all the, I guess, the ingredients for a really happy, happy life. And it's, um, you use the word ingredients there, and it's so true. It's not one thing. It's, it's a collection of things that, that in turn make up this peaceful, happy, content, driven life. Um, you also spoke about earlier, and we've touched on a little bit about postnatal depression. Mm -hmm. And that was, I guess, a big wake up call for you as you spent a number of weeks in hospital with your daughter. Mm -hmm. And you're also the ambassador for the, the Gidget Foundation. And I know you're, you're off to a charity function this evening. But mm -hmm. I was wondering if you c could 
could talk to me a little bit about that moment in your life and, and when you kind of really realized that you needed some help. Sure. So it's really fascinating, uh, perinatal anxiety and depression, and it's, it's very prominent in Australia. You know, one in five of your listeners who are female will, would have experienced some form of perinatal anxiety and depression, and unfortunately men aren't immune either. One in ten men experience the exact same symptoms. And it's fascinating after, you know, it's this neurochemical imbalance that after you give birth, for me that was the trigger that switched on the anxiety and I honestly thought I was immune, Mike, to, to any forms of anxiety and depression. And uh, and I never actually studied it. You know, before I had Clara and the baby, I never studied anxiety and depression because I thought I was strong, you know, mentally and physically. And now I realize even the, the strongest people, they too also suffer anxiety and depression. They're just usually a little bit better at hiding it behind some kind of mask. And it gave me the most beautiful insight in terms of uh, mental health. So day three, the neurochemicals went berserk for me and uh, I fell into, you know, the serotonin got completely depleted and I fell into the darkest pit and and uh, just dramatically, it really sideswiped me because I didn't, A, know what it was and B, I was embarrassed to talk about, you know, these emotions that I was feeling and, and why I couldn't get it as a mum and you know, and I had a lot of difficulty breastfeeding. So about three weeks in, I gave that up and put Clara on formula. So there was guilt and shame around that. And then everyone at mother's group seemed to be getting it. And, uh, and I thought, how come, how come I can't? Um, and then the, the big catalyst for me, Mike, so there's a lot of triggers going on and, you know, the severe anxiety, insomnia, the, uh, then I wanted to start sort of isolating myself socially and I wanted to run away and consistently crying every single day. And I remember the nine-week mark was the catalyst for me and for most mums because we've been struggling severely with this sort of insomnia battle and this anxiety and that's usually when it tips to quite severe depression. And I actually – I thought I was really lucky because I had my best mate's uh, wedding in Scotland. So I thought, yes, I can escape and run away and – and I can get myself better and be the be the proper mum that society says that I should be. And so I, I'm on the way to Scotland with my bags packed and my dress and ready to go away and I had a huge panic attack uh, on the way to the airport. And anyone, anyone listening to this show, and if they've experienced a panic attack, man, they are full on. Uh, shortness of breath, couldn't breathe, heart rate about 200 beats per minute. And that's when I pulled over my car and just... I, that's when I actually started Googling uh, ways to to end my life and kill myself and um, wow. because I lost all hope, which was just a – it's just a full-on place to be. And when you're mentally unwell like that, you know, reflecting back, I'm like, how could I even think that? You know, my life is amazing and my family's amazing. And But when you're going through it and your chemicals are so imbalanced like that, um, you, you truly have convinced yourself that you're a burden to everyone and that the only right way is – is uh, to actually remove yourself from this planet, so which is very intense, right? Um, but it's given me beautiful insight into anyone struggling out there. That you know, I I, tr- I truly understand the lens that they're seeing the world through, and and it really helps me working with suicidal patients and and people experiencing any forms of mental health. Um, that I can truly relate to that. 
And uh, so I, I got home, drove home to write a letter to my husband and to my daughter. And um, and I'm a very high-functioning type A perfectionist, Mike. So, you know, I thought, right, if I'm going to do this, I better do it properly, And which is scary. Um, the patients like me are quite scary because we're usually quite good at taking action. And uh, and I, I got home and luckily my husband was there and uh, he just asked me, you know, if I was okay and I didn't seem to didn't seem to be myself and uh, and that's when the mask came off and just burst into tears Mike and I was truly honest with him and the ego came came down and I just said you know I'm just I'm really struggling baby I I I think that it's better off if I'm not here and I think you're better off if you marry someone else and I think Clara is better off without a mother like me and I'm I'm a real burden to you guys and I promise you you'll end up thanking me like this is actually a really good thing that I'm doing for you it's it's quite selfless and uh, and you'll see, you know, in a, a year when I'm no longer here, you'll be really grateful that I'm not here anymore. Can you imagine? Wow! It's, but it's but it's like that, as you said, being an, an A-type personality, that you had thought all, all of that through. You'd you'd thought the next twelve months, mm. um, and in a sense, still putting other people ahead of you. Absolutely, and that's it's heartbreaking, you know, when I hear of people uh, ending their life, and then other people might say, you know, oh, that's really selfish. It really is. It really breaks my heart for that person that's taken their life because I can guarantee you right now they'll be standing there thinking it's the most selfless thing that they could do for everyone involved, and they don't understand because they're so mentally unwell. The ramifications and that ripple effect of trauma that they're going to put through every single person's life that they've ever touched. So I was very blessed. I had a beautiful, caring, loving, supportive partner because I know some parents, some people out there just don't. And uh, and we got, uh, yeah, we called my cousin who's an amazing psychiatrist here in Sydney and she said, oh, my God, Chelsea, you have severe postnatal depression. We need to get you to hospital. And uh, that's where I ended up the very next day in a private mums and bubs unit. Um, but as I was saying, Mike, you know, like you end up there and you're around other other women going through the exact same thing. So you, in this bizarre way, you sort of form this tribe of women, you know. And it's the it's interesting, you know. I landed myself in hospital, and the other women in there, they were lawyers. There was a surgeon in there. There's a property developer, all very very high functioning females that had completely crumbled. And uh, and and the great thing is, I met an amazing psychiatrist who taught me everything about mindfulness, gut health, meditation fasting, everything that I could possibly do for my brain. And then she also said to me, you'd be a beautiful clinical psychologist. That was about five weeks later when I'd, I'd fully recovered. And and, uh, and that's when I thought I'd reinvent myself and off came the corporate suit and on came the new career. So wow. It's, it's been a beautiful, for me, a really beautiful post-traumatic growth phase. And and, and you're like through that that growth, you've, you, you're an ambassador for the Gidget Foundation. What what does the foundation do and who should really reach out to them? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great message. And thanks, Mike, for giving the Gidget Foundation a shout out. So I wish I knew about them, to be honest, before I went through my experience because I, I know without 100% um, well, I know with 100% certainty that I would never have slipped into the darkness like I did. So I think people who are going through pregnancy, um, and they're not just for perinatal anxiety and depression, they're actually for stillbirths, they're for miscarriages, they're for anyone that's had trauma around the birth or stillbirth of a baby. And I wasn't aware of that either. So, And that's, that's a heartbreaking thing for parents as well that people don't ever talk about. So if you're about to have a baby or you've had a child and you 
you're just not feeling well or you want to even get resourced because genetically you have anxiety and depression in your family gene line, then I would call the Gidget Foundation and, and make contact with them. Um, and I think for people who are remote as well, who don't live in Sydney or the big cities, about two weeks ago, we had the most incredible thing happen for the Gidget Foundation. We got government funding of $300,000 thanks to uh, to Greg Hunt and John Barillaro and uh, Tanya Davies. And I think this is a start to something really, really big because what's that enabled our the charity of the Gidget Foundation to do is to actually allow seven free clinical psychology appointments with remote uh, families out there who, who they can actually call and speak to a clinical psychologist that specialises in this space because I think that's a big thing. When I went through my um, trauma and adversity and, and the GP sent me straight to a clinical psychologist before I went into hospital um, within that one-day period, the poor, like, bless the 22-year-old psychologist, but she was teaching me, you know, breathing techniques and I was suicidal and I was just so far gone that the breathing wasn't even touching the sides. Mm. And uh, so, they, so it's so important you see people who are actually experienced in this space and uh, and so the government have, have got behind us and recognising that this is a huge epidemic. You know, for maternal deaths, suicide is still the number one killer, which is just unbelievable. Mm. Well, that's great news that you um, you have got that funding. It's brilliant. And I will definitely link uh, to the Gidget Foundation in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. But uh, Chelsea, I know that you are uh, have a few other things on today. The, the, the Foundation's um, charity event is one of them. So I've only got one final question for you, and it is one that I ask all of my guests on the podcast, and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Oh, wow. Yes. I live it most days. Okay, so I wake up in Jerengong. I Before I get out of the bed, I actually think about three things I'm truly grateful for. And whether that I, I can hear the cows mooing and I can hear Clara turning over in her bed and the sun coming through in our bedroom and that sets my day up beautifully. And then I, I get up and Clara usually coming to my bedroom because that's reality. <laughs> <laughs> so the phone doesn't go on for the first hour, Mike. I don't like the world to try and find me in the first hour. And I just spend time giving her cuddles on the couch and she has a milk bottle. I have a nice probably litre of filtered water just to rehydrate and flush out my system. And then my husband will get up and um, then he will usually do a little bit of exchange. He might go for a surf. I'll go for some exercise. And then we'll go have a beautiful, nourishing breakfast together and with our daughter. Then we'll go hiking. And so there's always some form of exercise in there. There'd be a social, big social event, I think, to, for happiness. You need to have a lot of beautiful social friends around you. And there's people in your life that lift you up and nourish you. And I'm very blessed that way. I've got the most amazing best girlfriends. So I'd, I'd have a beautiful lunch with them. I'd then get in some massage therapists and I'd treat everyone to a to an hour massage while we all either plugging into a meditation or having an acoustic musician there just playing while we're just chilling out. Um, <clears throat> the afternoon I might have a glass of red wine with a cheese board <laughs> sitting on my balcony. Uh, people always ask me what would be your meal if uh, it was your last meal and I just can't get over a glass of red wine and, and a beautiful cheese board. I, I second that. I really <laughs> do. I, I've, I, I eat whole food and I try yeah, vegan same. but cheese is my killer. Oh, beautiful. 
and maybe with that mane it could be you know a beautiful salmon or a wagyu steak um and then yeah and then in the evening I'd be catching up with my with my divine family who who we, we just absolutely love we've got such a supportive family on both sides and having a beautiful dinner underneath the the stars outside and just just a really simple just a really simple life Mike I think that's the biggest thing I've really minimalized my life I true happiness for me comes from really within inside it's not about the the car I have or the house we live in or how many investment properties or share portfolio we have it's it's actually the simple things and so that would be my day just a really simple life that involves nature it involves family friends and uh and my daughter Beautiful. I love it. And I I 100% agree with you. It's the simplicities in the way that we live that truly do enrich us. And and I think what you've described there is really close to some of the retreats that you have. So we're kind of, I guess, top and tailing this, this chat with that. But if people do like want to reach out to you, Chelsea, and, and see some of your beautiful work, or maybe they want to go on a retreat or even get you kind of in from a corporate point of view um, or even ask some kind of questions if, if they are suffering through some depression themselves, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure. So I'd ask them probably to get on the Instagram if they do have that. That's at EQ Minds. That's our handle there. And my assistant will feed me through any sort of direct messages that come through there. Otherwise, they can find me at, uh, at my website. So if this is a mainly consumer um, audience, then I'd, I'd send them to eqminds.com. If they're in professional world and we work with brands like Uber and eBay and Cook Medical and Telstra and Mercedes-Benz and so very big organizations and if they want to get this type of training into their companies, then then jump on my website at eqconsultingco.com and maybe, Mike, I'll send you through my email address and, and mobile number if people need some personal help um, and just to let everyone know that you won't find me on Tuesday or Sunday or Monday, yeah? <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <The other> time, <laughs> it's always confidential as well on the phone call. So um, I'm always here to, to help people out alongside their journeys. Oh, beautiful. Well, I will definitely make sure that I, I link to all of that in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. But Chelsea, firstly, like, thank you so much for coming on and for really opening up and also just sharing the wealth of knowledge that you have and the research and the studies that you've done to really encourage people and help people to tap into their inside and to to teach them that their their mind and their body are really connected and and we need to to look after them both equally um is there anything that i've missed out anything any kind of parting words that you want to say before we we head off today yeah, I suppose, Mike, one, one big message for, for any parent go out there that could be struggling at the moment, I just want to let you know that I, I promise you, you will get through it with the right help. And, and not even for parents, for anyone that might be suffering any type of mental health, there's always three ways you can respond. Either we stay in post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, we stay stuck there, or the second option is you, you revert back. So you go through this trauma, you revert back to your old self. And the third thing, which is what my thesis is focusing on, is you can bounce forward. You can actually grow from trauma and you can see the meaning in your suffering. So keep breathing. If all you do today is you just take some deep breaths and you get yourself some help, then I promise you, you'll, you'll get through it. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Chelsea. And every, everybody listening, thank you. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. 
That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.